So like his whole driving force is to get to her. Like that's his like, he's like, that's it. I'm leaving Transylvania. He's like, we're going to London. He's like, I'm going to get her back. She's the love of my life. You know, like, I've crossed oceans of time like to get to her. So then he's going to crash it at, you know, a couple actual fucking oceans. He loves her so much after a month worth of just eating through people and tearing, you know, other people to shreds and just build his strength back up to get to be handsome again. The first thing he does when he gets out the boat in London is immediately hook up with her best friend. Yeah. Like, what's that well, fucking a strange choice like, to anyone at all paying attention to this shit? Well, I don't see it because he's still a vampire. He's still <laughs> a possessed, uh, you know, he, he he's could, a walking undead, right? He could have stopped right? anywhere for a snack along the way, man. Like, you know what I mean? This is Jesse Ventura. You're listening to Children of the Adams. Hello, everybody. We are back. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a fun one. We're at... We're coming into a, a, a somewhat busy movie-wise time of the year. Not maybe not too much on TV shows, like at least new TV shows. Like all the the networks really. Uh, the old thing was they tended to slow down during the holidays a bit, right? Nothing yep. really new. It, not really the case for streamers these days, because I got to tell you, I know you haven't dipped back into the pool of Andor, but the uh, the first series finale just, pr- dude. I've been trying to stay spoiler-free, man. I've been, like, everything is popping up on my uh, my feeds, man. And I'm just like, ooh, ooh, I don't want to listen to this yet. This show is easily probably the best written Star Wars we've seen. Uh, oh, wow. It's R- wow. so Better good. Mandalorian? I mean, it is so... That's... Mandalorian is... The Mandalorian is great because... It, we don't know where the story is going basically like so we have hope for these characters whereas with andor basically almost everyone he runs into we know their fates so there's a there's like a heightened sense of urgency to the show and just what it's building towards but they're still managing to make it like suspenseful on its own like in the build-up towards the and what we knew about what actually started the rebellion but actually what act the act that actually you know started it is just man so good so good I, so, I'll, I mean, I'll probably do some uh, traveling uh, here for the holidays. I I believe I'll be downloading several of those episodes, maybe the whole series, and just binge it. How many episodes did you watch? I've just watched the first episode. Oh, man. So, and it's a slow burn, so. It, <laughs> to but. be fair, it is a slow burn, but right now, like, you have 11 episodes. Like, you have the, the luxury of just being able to one right after you, boom, 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 and just start chucking through. Yep. I'm quite envious. Like, I, I wished I could have binged it like that. Like, I'm going to go back and watch it again because, uh, man, it was fucking incredible. Such a good show. They only have one more season, and then it's going to stop basically where Rogue One picks up. It but, bets man, up, yeah, right there. Yeah, that's going to be cool. Already what it's doing to Rogue One and, and kind of like how it's changing like the uh, like the original trilogy a bit and just like how I feel about the rebel. Man, it's powerful stuff, man. That's Very good. good. I'm, I'm glad yeah. to hear that this is a, a story that, that you're enjoying. I mean, I, I know yeah. that I'm going to enjoy it because I really love Rogue One. It's one of my favorite in the Star Wars series. Right. So it's, it's, you know, it's trying to do what I've always asked Star Wars to do is just give me a story set in the world, but you don't have to have all my friends showing up. You know? You're not going to recognize like almost anything you see, but you're, but you know, it's star Wars and man, it's, well, yeah. Cause it, it takes place. It's, it's like, it's like the Mandalorian. It takes place in the star Wars universe. I know that. Cause it, like I can recognize the art design and, and right. characters running around, but yep. it's not like, Oh, there's Yoda. There's, right. there's Chewbacca and Han, you know, with mm-hmm. the, with the Falcon, you know, like I yeah. just, yeah, you don't need to see that because this is 
as I've always said, a vast galaxy of characters. Yeah, and and, and you see several different places we've never seen before. And I think good. the difference between Andor and the Mandalorian is that in the Mandalorian, there are a lot of, like, there are some dramatic moments, but it's mainly a lighthearted kind of show. Like, there, there's always happy moments. Like, there's always something funny, something cute. Whereas Andor, it's all Empire, man. It's all Empire Strikes Back kind of tone and feel. It's just, Oof. it's... <laughs> It's I get that. I get that from so the first good. episode. It's it's yeah. really you know, like I said. It's a slow burn, but it's like it's a real downer in a way. You know, you're just like, God damn. It's slow, but but you still feel the gravity. But by the time they hit, ah, Jesus, episode three is like when most shows kind of find themselves, and that's when Andor for me really found its footing. And then from there, man, it's it, it's almost like a kind of like. <laughs> Uh, 24 in its first season how it would kind of ratchet up the suspense every episode like and you know it, the tension would just be right there like the very next week where you're like mm-hmm. you don't start off from zero you start off from like four or whatever you left off the last week like there's no that's how Andor is like there's no downtime even though there's a week in between episode releases you still you start with the same tension you felt right away like it just man it's it's so suspenseful even though you know like I know this guy's fate <laughs> I know yes. exactly what's gonna happen to him and when but man, I'm I'm fucking terribly intrigued. It is such a great show. Yeah, it's like you said though, that that's that's what probably helps it with this pacing is the fact yeah. that you know, you're you're up against a time frame because you're building up to Rogue One yeah. and the rest of the Star Wars universe. And I will say that the first eleven episodes there were no post credit scenes, but there was in the season finale today. So if anybody watched the finale and turned it off like what we're all conditioned to by this point, go back and watch the post credit scene. It was who doesn't do that anymore? Nice. I mean, like, I can't well, it, watch anything. Because Andor didn't do it. And after, like, five episodes of check-in, you just sort of give up. Yeah, like, but, but Loki was that it. way. You know, and, and and that's in the Marvel Universe where, where yeah. they're known to have that. Like, I think they just kind of fuck with us a little bit every once in a yeah. while. And then, like, oh, yeah, we'll put it in there. So, like, I, it doesn't matter what I'm watching on Disney. I'm going to mm-hmm. stick around through the credits just to make sure that there is nothing on there that I need to see. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, She-Hulk, too. They, they did post credit scenes sporadically throughout that one. Yes. Yeah. I, like, I expect it in the Marvel, and I, 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 I expect it now just because it's Disney and Star Wars now, and I expect that the same people are going to be like, oh, yeah, it works over here. Let's go work in this production house and, and do it here in Star Wars. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. <laughs> Oh, uh, speaking of, there was one question we got that uh, I don't know if we've ever actually discussed. I, I know we've we've talked about the movie. I don't know if we've we've actually fully reviewed it yet. But where? And I forget who sent this in. I'm sorry. I'll <laughs> I'll go back and double check. Thank you very much for doing that. But where do you fall on Die Hard? Is it a Christmas movie or not? It is absolutely a Christmas movie. I mean, how is it not? It takes place during Christmas. Uh, you know, I mean, it, I mean, I mean, the, the words "ho ho ho," you know, the phrase "ho ho ho" is, is Fair a enough. damn thing. So, I mean, yeah. obviously, it's it's a Christmas movie. It's not what anybody would generally consider a traditional Christmas right. film, right? I mean, it's not you know the Peanuts Christmas or uh, right. It's a Wonderful Life that kind of stuff. I don't think that families across the country, you know, just gather around the TV to watch Die Hard. It's, right? I, it's 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 designed for you. Well, know, I mean, my family does. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I get that because that's like we're we're kind of the same, right? We, right. you know, we would have the same people around us that would want to say, 
get around the TV and watch some Die Hard, maybe watch Lethal Weapon, you know, those kind of movies because they take place during Christmas and they're actiony and we grew up with those things. Okay, thank so, you for making for making that jump there. So so then by default is Lethal Weapon also a Christmas movie? I give it I give it uh, Christmas, yes. The okay, first so one. Only it, the first one. Okay, is it only movies that take place during Christmas could technically count as Christmas movies? Cuz by that rationale then like our beloved Cobra Sorry, Mr. Stallone is a Christmas movie, as is American Psycho. I mean, dude, there's so many movies that came out around Christmas time that just, you know, brush up against it that could technically count as Christmas movies because they're around the season. Okay. Ghostbusters so here, 2. Yeah, I, I, it's, it, it's hard to say, okay, yeah, just because it takes place during Christmas isn't a Christmas movie. Right. I don't think it just works exactly like that. It has to you know, cross a threshold to main, to like earn its place in the cultural zeitgeist, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have to, you know, get so many fans around you that start having this debate about that movie, right? Right. Like, like for the longest time, as long as I can remember it being out there, I've heard this debate is, yeah, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Mm-hmm. Like it's repeatedly talked about where, you know, I don't hear that as much about like Ghostbusters 2, I would I would certainly argue that Ghostbusters two is ne- not nearly as good a movie as Die Hard. That's fair. Um, so I think I think that plays into it a little bit as well. I think. But what about like American Psycho? Because there's a full on Christmas scene in there. There's a couple of pretty iconic sure. lines that made their way into pop culture, like mistletoe alert. Like, you know what I mean? Or you know, hey, Halbert Stram, how's it? All that shit. Like it's just it's all in there now. So I mean, but technically, would that one count as a Christmas movie? Because it doesn't go much past Christmas time. It's all yeah. during Christmas week and New Year's, basically. Oh, and then uh, Trading Places too. Is that one count as a Christmas movie? Because Dan Aykroyd does don a Santa suit. It does, but it takes place over New Year's as well. I mean, I guess it, you, you, that <laughs> you know one could I mean? fall in there, yes. Yeah. Um, Batman Returns? I mean, that's during Christmas time also. Oof, oof. Oof, not a good one. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's just case by case, huh? Yeah, I, I, to me, I, I go with it. You know, is it, is it that popular? Does it, does it spark something in you that you love? You know, from your childhood, almost right. Like, because I mean, if Die Hard was something we, Christmas, we watched. Then technically, we were... it could count as a Christmas movie. Yeah, okay. I mean, if it, if you want it to be a Christmas movie, go ahead and make that argument to make. Right. That. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I would not shit on anybody's opinion on that and say no. It, it, this is clearly not a Christmas. If right. it feels like Christmas to you, and it's something that you would probably watch every December. Yeah, absolutely. I would. I would certainly say, yeah, it's a Christmas movie. Now, does it? reach the that cult fanaticism where where right. armies of people would would constantly have this debate you know there's other movies out there that that will hit that die hard is one of them mm-hmm. i think lethal weapon is one of those that hits that but yeah movies like batman batman returns yeah, yeah i don't know if that actually fits there because i don't think people it, they don't have that love for that movie like like they do a die hard I, I don't know what the difference is but i would consider die hard a christmas movie where lethal weapon not necessarily that's weird. I mean, that, that's fair. Um, but I, I don't know why in my mind that's like, what's the distinction? They're both, you know, cop action movies that take place during the holiday. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they both really play on those, the themes of Christmas in yeah, there too. I for mean, sure. I mean, the characters are there and their actions are based on being at the holiday. Right. So John McClane's yeah. there because he wants to go be with his family during Christmas, you know, yep. uh, Riggs in, in lethal weapon. I mean, he's going through, suicidal times in his life because it's a real thing where people get mm-hmm. down during the holidays and yeah, you know, suicide rates go up. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's that there, but yeah, Christmas isn't a pivotal 
uh, you know, cornerstone to the plot, right? I mean, you you technically right. could make those movies and make them during any holiday or any time of the year, really. Fair enough. It's just that they happen to take place during that time. So yeah, maybe it goes back to your original uh, statement. Yeah, many any of these movies could be because they take place during Christmas and there's a Christmas theme mm-hmm. wrapped into the plot. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it comes down to personal taste and whether or not, you know, enough people begin to have that debate to make it a Christmas film. That's a good question, though. That is a very good question. I gotta say, does uh, do you remember when when did Runaway take place? The Tom Selleck, Gene Simmons movie was that during Christmas time as well, or was that not? Ooh. Am I is my timeline askew for that one? I don't think it took place during Christmas. Okay, I think there's, yeah, you. there's a lot of blinking lights because there's robots on there. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's, Maybe what that's what's doing it. Confused by all the blinky lights and shit. Yeah, and they go to that sushi bar where there's like neon lights and, right, and stuff yeah. flashing. So, yeah, I don't think it takes place during Christmas, but Fair enough. it has been a little while since I've actually seen that Tom Selleck classic. Oof, That's a good yeah. one, though. Yeah, it's it's a movie, all right. I'm just happy <laughs> yeah, we, like to consider, be able to consider Cobra now as a as a Christmas movie because man, it definitely is. I, I would or put that on scared. The... Jesus Christ, that is what one of my favorite buddy cop uh, movies of all time takes place during christmas yeah so this will shock you i've never seen that movie i've never watched it uh i feel like gregory hines and billy crystal yeah maybe maybe we should have to watch that and do a a, do a show on that dude for sure i've already seen it twice this month but i'm fucking solid (laughs) for a third let's do it (laughs) all right i'm gonna put it on the list and we'll 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 fit it into the schedule it's on prime luckily enough Oh, you're in for a real treat. It is a terrific I've heard it. I've heard, I've heard it's very good from it multiple is. sources, not just yourself. Yeah, and from two guys, not action stars, either one. You know what I mean? Well, Gregory Hines, I mean, well, he's a dancer, but... Uh, right, but not, you know, you know he, he's not like Van Damme out there, like where you'd expect him to be, like to play like a pretty badass cop. Yeah, I, I get it. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's why it works is, you know, yeah. the, you know, real, real odd couple who people, you know, you just wouldn't yeah. think... Dude, th- this entire cast is all people you recognize. Every every person in this fucking movie is famous. It's ridiculous. You just you'll just recognize like, oh shit, there's them, there's them, there's them, there's them. And everywhere you look, there's gonna be someone famous. Uh, I've been looking for an excuse to get that to get that watch. So I think this will be a good one. You're in for a real treat. And it's a, and it's a Christmas that we'll we'll fit that into the Christmas schedule. Yeah, that'll work. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'll need something to wash the taste out of my mouth after. Uh, <laughs> we sat down, and, and oddly enough, this movie just celebrated its uh, 30th uh, anniversary of release. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992, starring Winona Ryder, Keanu Reeves, Gary Oldman, Anthony Hopkins, Carrie Elwes, I mean, Tom Waits. There's The cast of this movie in itself is really strong. Like, on paper, like, it reads super, like, it's... They're all superstars, basically, right? Oh, this is a dynamite cast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I would expect the... uh, If I'd never seen this movie, I'd been like, holy shit, this is going to be like one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah, oh, Richard E. Grant, too. Yeah, jeez, yeah. And for those unaware, this... Bram Stoker's Dracula was uh, Francis Ford Coppola. He, uh, He was trying to bring the story more in line with the book and they were, they were going to do an updated version of the vampire story. So for those unaware, <laughs> uh, it, it's basically, it's basic Dracula story. Dracula is uh, a, a few hundred years in the past. He loses his great love and 
he ends up blaming the church and he is then cursed by Jesus essentially to, to be a blood drinking ghoul uh, who's immortal and allergic to the sun. Fast forward a few centuries, he, he stumbles upon, uh, upon the love of his life and, you know, they uh, they go through some trials and tribulations trying to get, like he tr tries to win her love and then, you know, uh, he's also trying to avoid being slain by vampire hunters, you know. If you've seen any vampire movie, you know the basic story of this one. Like, all vampire movies kind of copied the basic Dracula story in some way. Yeah, so the original source material is from original you know, Bram Stoker. I think it was 1898 he wrote the, wrote the original uh, movie and, or book, I'm sorry. And, you know, this, this, like, the story of Dracula has been shot and shot and shot in different types of versions. Um, like, in... There's not like one uh, movie that's really been made that's like completely uh, loyal to the source material. Because basically, I mean, if you ever read the book, I mean, it's it's kind of dry. It's kind of boring. Um, it's basically kind of told like in that th this movie kind of kind of brings elements of it because it's told with a little bit of uh, narration um, right. through, through diary format where that book is very much is read like that. Yeah. Um, but it, but there, it does take from certain elements of that. Um, but this, this movie, I think, takes from a lot of different versions of, of Dracula and kind of puts it into this movie, it especially does. especially one of the versions that uh, Jack Palance did. Um, the story storyline is very much Jack um, Palance played Dracula. Jack Palance, yeah, Jack Palance. What? Is one of the many people who played Dracula. Oh, back in the 70s. hang on, I gotta fucking. Oh, you, you did not know this. Pull the bus over for a second. I gotta yeah, look nineteen seventy four. Um, Holy shit! He really did play Dracula. Yeah. Wait, and this one was called Bram Stoker's Dracula, also. Uh, no, it was just called Dracula, but not uh, according. To, yeah. Okay. Shit. But it, the but the story the story I mean is takes from this one where it's 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 the you know love across time you know and right, Dracula yeah, yeah. trying to find his his long lost love. Right. You know. So it, so it, very much a lot of this um, Francis Ford Coppola version takes from that movie. Yeah, the, the movie starts basically with uh, with Vlad Dracula, like he's alive, but he's, you know, a warrior who's basically trying to defend his lands. And uh, while he's away, there's some trickery from an enemy army that they convince his wife that he was slain. So she then throws herself off of the tower. And it's Winona Ryder but playing, you know, his, his love, you know, so... Uh, it explains when you fast forward a few hundred years why he you know he falls for uh, for yeah. Winona Ryder so easily. But anyway, after uh, after he returns from war and finds her dead, he then stabs a crucifix and uh, yeah, renounces God and does renounces all that. God. Yeah, he ends up drinking the blood from the from the crucifix and all that. And then you know the movie basically smash cuts to uh, what four hundred years time jump? Or yeah, something like that? yeah. It's it's it four goes from like four, four, the late uh, the late fifteenth uh, century all the way right. to uh, the almost nineteen hundred early nineteenth century or something yeah. like that. Yeah, L London like eighteen ninety eight or something like that. Right, um, where we meet one of our main characters played by Keanu Reeves, Jonathan, Jonathan Harker. Harker is, yeah, is a character from the book, and yeah, he is tasked with going to Transylvania to take over for another lawyer they'd already sent down there for yep. Count Dracula, mm -hmm. you know, and that's how we get our Because he's buying a bunch of property around London. 
Yeah, it's never explained why Dracula is buying up a bunch of property around London, but for some reason he just wants to uh, expand his uh, real estate portfolio or something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I thought it was explained away somewhere, like, or maybe it was a different Dracula story. It I'm becomes sure. a plot convenience. Yeah. Um, and that's what's explained later on. <laughs> that's what it him. is. But yeah, it's never explained in the movie why he's buying up. It, like like Jonathan Harker in the in the scene asks him he's like oh why are you buying up such you know all these properties from such random locations is it to increase the property value it's never explained yeah because it, it, it's at that point so okay jonathan harker uh he says goodbye to his fiance who you know surprise surprise is winona Ryder. so yes you can already kind of see what's coming if you've ever seen a movie so he's saying goodbye to his fiance and he's assured you know i'll be fine and i'll be home soon and you know that's not going to be the case so that he goes travels to uh transylvania and then when he gets there, uh, the first scene, like where we see, like the last time we see Gary Oldman, he kind of looks just like how he did as uh, as Sirius Black. You know what I mean, with like the goatee and like yes. and the long curly hair and all that stuff. You know, it, it, very handsome guy. And then you fast forward to how we see him as old Dracula for the first time, and it was an interesting take to me. I guess so much is like his. It was the hairstyle for me that really kind of flipped. Like, if you've ever seen any kind of Dracula spoof anywhere where he looks like he has an ass on his head, that this movie is exactly where it came from. So did that did that bother you at first? Like, seeing him as old man Dracula, not really thinking he was all that scary and just kind of looked dumb? When I first saw it in the theaters back in 92, I felt it was very weird. But that's because we as a society, especially here in America, have been conditioned to say, okay, this is what Dracula looks like. It's the Bela Lugosi mm. look, right? The widow's peak and the... The black outfit, the tuxedo, and the cape. Because that's that's what everybody redoes. All those remakes. Jerry Danders and Friday Night, nothing but sweaters and turtlenecks. Well, yeah. See, that one. that's one of the first <laughs> ones to kind of move off that. Right. But this one, the art design. Like, I can't give this this movie enough oh, credit for its art design it, and its yeah, costume it is, design. Yeah. Fantastic. Apparently, this... this uh, uh, the, the costume design, I, I, I don't have the name up there, but it's a, a Japanese guy who did all the uh, the costumes for this. That's mm-hmm. why it looks like he's wearing like kimonos and stuff like that, because this guy oh. had never seen anything Dracula. He knew nothing about Dracula. So he, he was asked, like, here, make outfits for what this character would be, what you think it would be based on this screenplay. And he does, and he comes up with these long, elaborate robes and everything. You know, the costume design and art design is beautiful in this thing. It really it takes is. you to that time frame. I absolutely yeah. love what Coppola did with this thing. Yeah. It, it, it As far as making you feel like you're in, you know, in London in 1890, whatever, like you definitely feel like it. Uh, for most of the movie, I would say all the scenes where Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder aren't speaking, you definitely feel like you're in London because, man, I hadn't... <laughs> Okay, it, it's been some time since I've probably sat down and watched this movie. Yes. And I can't... Hmm. Okay, Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder at the time, like, to, even today, like, they're bigger stars than what they were at the time in 1992. In 1992, they were both huge. You know what I mean? They were both... Absolutely huge. Coming into... They were, they were like, new Hollywood status. So they were... Uh, this was a very good get for them to both be starring in this movie. However, at the time, neither one of them was very seasoned in their craft so their english accents were man were they they're on par with kevin costner from fucking from the robin hood movie right they're that level of bad i mean they're well Rob, remember robin hood like 
Kevin Costner wasn't even doing an English accent, man. Dude. I mean, he was just like, he was just going himself. But Okay, it didn't feel like Winona Ryder was doing it. Keanu Reeves tried, but it made it worse because he overshot so yeah. many times in that fucking movie trying to land like a, a syllable. Man, it was painful to listen to. It's this is the biggest criticism that anybody gives this movie. I, I will be I'll be the first to admit it to you that yeah, Keanu Reeves is is miscasting this thing. But Man. you know he was he was brought in by Coppola, I think more as a uh, being forced by the movie studios because uh, right. they wanted somebody who was popular who would appeal to the young kids. He's one of them. Oh for uh, sure. Yeah. I mean Winona Ryder got this role because she's the one who brought the the script to uh, to Coppola. And really. Yeah, so in case you didn't know, she no. was originally cast to play um, the daughter in The Godfather Part Three. That really? she actually had she actually had to back out of that role, um, and that's why Sofia Coppola took over for that and arguably gave like like what everybody talks shit about that movie and how bad it is, and they blame Sofia Coppola for that. They <laughs> think like she just like completely overacted and just just was no good in that. But I, I will, I will enough, refer each and every one of them to this very movie because holy shit, dude! Yeah. So interesting enough, though. Yeah. So she, so yeah, Winona Ryder, she's going to get cast right there, you know, for the wow. role of Nina. But yeah, they were trying to figure out who can they get to play Jonathan Harker. They want somebody young, yeah. and at the time, Winona Ryder was actually dating, um, uh, Jack Sparrow. What's his name? Uh, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, yeah, they she she wanted uh, Johnny Depp to actually play Jonathan Harker, and the studio said no. This guy's not good enough looking. He's not well known, so <laughs> we need somebody better. So they went to Keanu Reeves because remember Reeves was coming off of you know Bill and Ted. Uh, I believe he had done Point Break by this point. Yeah. Um, he, so he was already a big time star. To and a Johnny lot Depp of, was only he was only doing like Twenty One Jump Street at that point. Yeah, basically. yeah. He like, still had not had his huge breakout roles. He didn't you know, get. His, he didn't get. He didn't get really big until like the late nineties, right? Johnny. Yeah, Depp? because it, actually, yeah. him and uh, Winona Ryder would actually go on. I believe the year after, either ninety two or ninety three, to uh-huh. work on Tim Burton's Edward Scissorhands. And after that, I think that's oh. when he kind of took off as a star. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, those those like those two characters, yeah, it's it's arguable. Yes, they're they're not good, but it, that they're the, wildly miscast, man. Yeah, but it, it was I mean, never enough to take me out of the movie, though. Oh, I don't, dude. I mean, them trying to force English accents with Carrie Elwes, Anthony Hopkins, and Gary Oldman, bro. Like, holy I mean, shit! Dude. I mean, I agree. It's 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 bad when you when you you know Keanu Reeves and you're going up against. You know, right. a, I mean, a superbly trained actor like Gary Oldman. I mean, a guy who just commits to everything he does. You know, he's got nothing to play off, but he is making it work. He's carrying him along where, you know, the other actors are deficient. He's the one who's making up for it. Because whenever he's on screen anyway, you know, Gary Oldman's almost always on the screen at the same time when, you know, Keanu Reeves is on there. My focus is on Dracula at all times because he is Fair. just going above and beyond with the role. I mean, just the craziness that he does. Not to mention just the, the effects that are going on. The weird shit that's happening in Dracula's castle. Yeah. All practical a, effects, by the way. This there's is a lot going on in this movie. Very little of that was anything computer generated. All practically yeah, done. Yeah, visually speaking, it's, it's very, very cool. Like, it, it's and, a, you know... I, I they they tried to set up Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder as best they could with with a very strong supporting cast. It's just it's to me the supporting cast was just wildly better. And this was Gary Oldman like it, it was one of his first movies. It was definitely the one that put him out there. And man, he was 
he was almost at his most Gary Oldman where he just disappeared right into this guy because to hear Gary Oldman speak, he's not he's not Count Dracula like just the bass and like uh, it just like, like ferocity like he puts into the the tone he carries with Dracula. I mean, he's so menacing. Weird. Yeah, like, his performance he laugh, is fucking man. ridiculously he's just, great. Oh, yeah, he's just creepy when he's just going around the castle and. You know, showing up, you know, and like he's right there behind Jonathan Harker while he's shaving and that he licks that blood off that razor. And he's just, oh, it's just, it's crazy, man. I mean, yeah. he just goes above and beyond. I, I, I really like Gary Oldman as an actor. I think he's really, he, he can go a little crazy and go overboard sometimes, sometimes. But most of the time, I really enjoy what he does. Yeah, no, he was absolutely terrific in this. So it, during this whole point in Transylvania, as they're closing out the land deal, uh, Dracula basically keeps Richard Harkler as his prisoner. He has him right back home and tells Mina, you know, Dracula needs me more. Uh, and this was after Dracula discovered a, a picture of Mina, and he recognized her as his beloved, you know, Elizabeth from yeah. hundreds of years prior. And that's when he decides to travel to London. And it's during his travel to London, like the Voyage of the Demeter. You know, there's been other movies about this trip and all that. And just like basically uh, Dracula going from old man to young man, feasting on this entire crew. The entire voyage from Transylvania <laughs> yes, to it. London is basically him eating everyone on the boat. And this is what I love, too, because it is it is Anthony Hopkins kind of narrating this whole thing. And you're getting yeah. the story is being told to you through narration and through just cutting of scenes. Yep. So time is passing, yep. but you're going right along with it. It's a lot of fun because, like, yeah, to get to get from, you know, the south of Europe all the way around, you know, mm-hmm. around the Rock of Gibraltar and up to England. You know, that would take a probably a good month of sailing probably to yeah. get you there back then. Yeah. Enough to eat an, an entire crew on a boat, basically. Yeah, like I love it. Yeah, first mate's gone missing, you know, and that's right. crew is freaked out. You know, it's all it's all just like you feel the creepiness of it. Right, and at the, I don't know how far we are in the movie at this point, but the, the overall sense we get from Dracula is that he's supposed to be a tragic figure at this point, is that he was pushed to his brink to, to, to renounce his faith in God and everything he believed in and had fought wars in or in for. Uh, you know, he lost the love of his life. So he's really like, he's broken. Like he, he would give anything, you know, to, just to have her back kind of thing. So his whole driving force is to get back to his love. And it just so happens like she's been reincarnated as, you know, uh, as, as Wilhelmina, uh, whatever. Her, Harker. Her, her, yeah. yeah. Wilhelmina Harker she becomes. So like his whole driving force is to get to her. Like that's his, like, he's like, that's it. I'm leaving Transylvania. He's like, we're going to London. He's like, I'm going to get her back. She's the love of my life. You know, I've crossed oceans of time, like to get to her. So then he's going to cross it at, you know, a couple actual fucking oceans. He loves her so much after a month worth of just eating through people and tearing, you know, other people to shreds and just build his strength back up to get to be handsome again. The first thing he does when he gets out the boat in London is immediately hook up with her best friend. Yeah, like what's that well, fucking a strange choice like to anyone at all paying attention to this shit? Well, I don't see it because he's still a vampire. He's still <laughs> a possessed. Uh, you know, he, he he's could, walking undead. He right? Stopped anywhere for a snack along the way, man. Well, like, it's not so much. I mean, but he's he's. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like there's probably some <laughs> motivations that are there, but it's 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 well, he's getting close. Like he's right. He's he's still the embodiment of evil, right? Mm. Um, you know, he still has to do that, but he's a tortured soul. 
like I mean, he has been. He, I mean, essentially, he condemns himself right to this life yeah. because he renounces God and does all that stuff. <laughs> but yeah, that's what makes him the tragic figure. But he can't help kind of what he's doing. He's going to go out there. He's going to find you know and you know take advantage of whoever he can. And it just so happens that he can take advantage of you know Mina's great friend Lucy, who. Right. In all, in all accounts, you know, I think she's kind of like, she's supposed to be kind of an unsympathetic character because she's a rich little kid who's who just like, oh, I just have to get married and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she has all these men chasing after her and stuff like that. So she's supposed to kind of be like the opposite of what Mina is because Mina comes from very humble backgrounds. She doesn't have anything, you know, but so she you're not supposed to feel as bad for her when, when Lucy gets it. <clears throat> but... Yeah, I, I I don't know what, whether fucking, or not his yeah she got annihilated is. like terribly in this movie. Yeah, like, but this a, is where... after her first encounter with Dracula, you know she's obviously she, she's showing signs of becoming a vampire. So uh, her dad summons Doctor Abraham Van Helsing to come to uh, or not her dad it's uh, it's one of her suitors played by Carrie Elvis right he plays a doctor doesn't he? Well, no, no, or, no, no. Richard um, E. Grant. Richard E. Grant, Richard e. Grant plays, Grant, the, doctor, yes, plays right. the doctor who is. A former student of uh, Doctor Ben Helsing, right, and he's the one working at the at the hospital with Renfield, trying to diagnose him because he thinks Correct. Renfield's just lost his mind. But Renfield's saying, you know, he's talking about my master's coming; he'll save me, and you know, all the other weird shit he was doing and all that. Oh, and is Tom wait is he English? Tom Waits. I uh, I think he is. I believe he's a musician. I think he's an English musician. Is he English? Yes. Okay. Oh shit! Bo- no, he's I not. Bo- he's not. He is not. Oh well. Okay. I stand majorly corrected because I thought American musician. Okay. Yeah. No. Well, his accent is fucking. It's quite oh, good. He, he's he's a great presence in this thing. Like he's very like he just he's so gaunt and just creepy. Like he's there. He's eating the bugs and stuff. He just completely pulls off mental, just like nobody else. Because of the age I was when I first saw this movie, probably the first few times I saw this movie, I didn't know he was a musician until way later in life. You know no, I, mean? I didn't either. I, I, I recognized him as an actor from everything because I'd seen him in, like, in other movies. Yeah, the guy's got talent. I, I'll give yeah. him that. He's quite good. Just so happens that you know he plays a very... He, he sings some spooky songs and plays the piano super well. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, most artists are kind of creepy in some way, I think. Yeah, he's spooky. I think that's the way to describe him is just spooky. Um, So uh, when Van Helsing shows up, he's played by none other than Anthony Hopkins, who, including the narrator, and uh, for those unaware, Anthony Hopkins played the priest in the very start of the movie who was there when Dracula was cursed. So this is Hopkins' third role in this movie, essentially, is that Abraham Van Helsing. Well, it makes you wonder. It does make you wonder. I mean, is it a distant relative of Van Helsing's and he's been fighting vampires like all those years? Like that may be the start of it, you know? It's, That's an it's not explained, but I was that. wondering if it's like an idea that was cut out of the movie. Oh, I love, I love that. Like even, even if it's just where you take, yeah, that's terrific. Yeah, but it's, well, but that, it's yeah, great. That yeah, that makes it way better. I would ben say, Helsing. It, how do you, Anthony Hopkins' performance in this? Maybe I was just used to some of his more subdued roles because even, even as Hannibal Lecter, like, which was pretty, it, it wasn't really that long before this one. It was. It wasn't as frenetic as his energy in this movie because as Abraham Van Helsing, he hits some fucking notes in this one, dude, where he's really like – they're playing – 
He's supposed to be unhinged, right? Is that yeah? Is that he's supposed, supposed to be very to eccentric, okay. a very eccentric character. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I think he plays it well. I think he, he does, does it really yeah. well. I love when he goes off on his little monologues about who Dracula <laughs> is and what the vampires are. I, I, I and he's it. almost I, not even talking to himself. He's almost talking to himself and ignoring everyone else in the room. Like he's just yeah. like spitballing those out. Kind yeah, of he like he kind of like he's kind of like a character who doesn't have a lot of self awareness mm-hmm. or so or or any like he doesn't like want to buy into the norms of what society says he has to act, especially during that Victorian time. You know, yeah. he just kind of like talks about whatever he wants to talk about. You know, while he's sitting at dinner in a bar. <laughs> Yeah, and they're all very prim and proper, you know, high manners. Yeah, and he's talking about, like, cutting people's heads off, chopping, or, you right. know, cutting parts out and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, it's yeah. nuts. So, but I, he's, he's one of my favorite parts of this movie, too. Like, him and Gary Oldman are just, they, they just make this movie for it because they, they, they play off each other so well. They you do. know, and they're, and they're really not on screen together not against very each much. other. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it, just they, a few minutes of the movie. But I basically. feel like they're playing off of each other, and they're they try to kind of one up each other for you know I'm the biggest star on the screen because remember Anthony Hopkins is coming off of Silence of the Lambs, his Oscar winning yes, performance was to it, do this movie. Oh, this was the first movie after, wasn't it? Yes. Fuck. Wow. I chalk that up probably just because he probably wanted to work with Coppola. A lot of these actors probably signed on because they wanted to work with Coppola. Oh yeah, and, and not for nothing too. Like as much as as much as it can be scrutinized today, and even when 1992, like there was a you could talk a lot of shit about it because these same criticisms still kind of stand. But it made just a truckload of fucking money. Like, I, it, it I made see so it. much yeah. money. I remember the advertising for this thing. It was like, it was heavy, heavy, heavy in rotation on TV. Yeah. So I remember like when I was younger, when I, cause I, I remember I saw this in theaters. I wanted to go see this movie. I remember telling my parents, I was like, Hey, I want to go see this thing. This looks great. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not surprised. How, what, what were the final numbers on it? Uh, let's see. 215 million. Woo. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a hell of a haul. Opening weekend was uh 30 million. Even for like 1992 too, because that that is a very very successful movie for 1992. It actually broke the previous November record held by Back to the Future. Oh man! That, oh, Back that to the Future from... too. Yep, and it actually uh, it broke another record uh, of probably my favorite vampire movie of all time, Fright Night, was yes. previously the <laughs> the highest debuted vampire film at a paltry six million compared to the thirty. Bram Stoker's oh. Dracula pulled her first week. And interestingly enough, though, uh, it also had a very, very steep drop-off because uh, Home Alone 2 came out the following week. Ugh. And that one annihilated the box office for quite some yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, I, I I understand why, but... Yeah. You can't really take kids. Even, like, to see Bram Stoker's Dracula, even though my parents did, for those unaware, it, uh, th- there's a Ugh. lot of adult themes in this one, and there's oh, a this, lot of Oh, this movie is... Is riddled with with, with sexuality and oh, yeah. and eroticism and it. stuff like that. Yeah, I I could also attest to that. You know, because I w- I went with one of my parents and it, I remember even because I was probably at thirteen or fourteen years old and I remember kind of feeling uncomfortable oh, when stuff yeah, was dude. being on there. And I'm sure my parents felt For the same sure. way. So yeah. But I, but that's one thing I love about it because like I said, I, I will go back to the art design of this movie and how this movie shot. Like this movie is, I feel like a complete callback to classic filmmaking yeah. you know because not only does it does it just rely on old school you know optical tricks with the camera and special mm-hmm. effects but it 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 goes back to these like old timey films like this this like the scene when we first get to london where dracula first gets to london right 
it's oh, it's like yeah. shot like an old timey 1920s film with a hand cranked camera yeah, so it is. because they can't control the 24 frames a second you know they're actually probably not cranking as fast so the characters move a lot faster they look like they're just kind of racing across the screen yeah they i do. love it and then they go to the 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 little museum where the classic films are are being played on there like you know the train mm-hmm. being shot on there like it's just if you're a fan of classic film or just a student of film, you will appreciate how this film is shot. It's yeah. just, it's, it, and I never appreciated this as a kid because I just didn't understand it. But now after like learning about how the, how films are made and everything like that, and then learning what they did with this, especially compared to other films that were made during the nineties that relied heavily on like a lot of computer special effects. And this was when computer special effects were really in their infancy. Coppola didn't want to do any of this. Like he wanted to go even more minimalist than this movie. Like he wanted to do like just, just small sets and, you know, like, like for those cla- those first battles in the, in the beginning of the movie of the mm-hmm. Turks and, and uh, Dracula fighting them. Like he wanted just pure shadow figures for that. Like, you know, like, but the, the studio finally said, no, 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 we're spending money on this. You need to put some real, like real type sets on this thing, spend some real money on the costumes, all that stuff. So, it turned out for the better that he did that, but it's, I, I cannot emphasize enough how much I love this movie just for its art direction. It's just, it's just beautifully. And the way it's shot is just great. Yeah. The practical effects too. They're really solid. And like I will as far give as this... like all the vampire stuff and like to see Dracula, like it is werewolf form too. And just what he, oh. and also like I, the, the voyage on the Demeter, when he's actually going through the transformation from old to young, like they're showing like almost like a cocoon like process. It's like childbirth. Yeah. Like yeah. He, he's, he's uh, metamorphosizing. Yeah. I think it's better mm-hmm. when it's like, yeah, like you said, a butterfly effect. Yeah. But so getting it, like going on to the movie here. So we've got Abraham Helson and he's, he's basically got everybody together. Um, we talked that, you know, Lucy ends up dying because, um, Jonathan Harker, he gets away from Dracula's brides, and we didn't even get to talk about what happens in that castle, man. It's just crazy. A lot of weirdness. Yeah, we'll that that is brought from that. the from the book, like yeah, because Jonathan Harker talks about how he can't get away. He's constantly being you know drained of his blood and being raped by these the concubines that that Dracula holds there. Um, but anyway, yeah, he gets away. He gets a contact. He gets a word to Mina that yeah, I'm still alive. Hey, you need to come to Transylvania and marry me right away. So. But but this is well too like while while Dracula has been in London he's been young man handsome again he's kind of dating and, and he's courting Mina yeah like he's he, been dating Mina yes. like this entire time while yeah, so, Har- while so Harker's she becomes been... a conflicted character at this point right because she's starting to feel something for like a an unexplainable pull yeah and, Dracula, and, and, and it's and it's kind of implied through the filmmaking and through, through certain shots that she begins to remember her previous life as right Elizabeth you know yeah. so. So yeah, th- that builds, but then she ultimately leaves to go marry uh, Jonathan Harker. Yeah, that just sets Dracula off, and then he decides to just kill Lucy in a fantastic scene. I mean, once again, a practical shot. I mean, the 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 whole room was just a wash in fake blood when they made this thing. It was just, it was totally creepy. But this sets up probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, where Lucy is not dead, and they have to go and they have to actually lay her to rest officially yeah it's her fiance played by carrie owis he uh, van helsing basically drags him down into the tomb where she's buried and, yeah crypt yeah in, in vampire style as you would expect there's uh you know you gotta cut off their head drive a stake through their heart well as an extra layer of horrible like she's not in there when they go oh to... it just i remember watching that for the first time i was just creeped out dude and rough, then rough dude 
So rough. Ooh, and then so, she, she's coming down the stairs. Oh. She, she's coming back to the tomb. She's bringing a snack with her into the tomb, basically. Yeah, a little baby. And, yeah, and luckily, you know, Van Helsing and uh, and and the whatever the fiance's name was, they're there and they rescue the kid. And then they, Carrie always has to fight her and put her down. And like the the staking scene at this point is so man. Well, I just love this too because as Van Helsing is forcing her with the crucifix to get back into the coffin, it's another call. It's another just beautiful use of practical camera effects to make yeah. this thing happen. They're just running this film shot in re- like running in reverse, so she is like creepily going and moving. falling back into yeah. the coffin in this weird manner. But it just because of the way they did it with the camera. It just pulls it off, and I just love it. And then she's like, she falls back in, eyes closed, and it's like she's just still. Yeah, and then, yeah, Carrie Ellis's uh, character, Sir Arthur Homewood. Thank you, um, Sir yes, Arthur he, Homewood, yeah. He, he's the one who has to do it, apparently, because, you know. It has to be someone who loved her or something. And I, at this point, know. too, because like, you that. feel like he, I, I, I think it might have been inferred or something, but at, point, at one point, he... Uh, you start. You really feel his emotion. Like he's he's terrified to do it, but he knows he has to. And like he just, man, like the 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 expressions Carrie Elwes's face goes through during this scene, man, are fucking impressive because he feels every emotion as it's happening. Yeah. And the the practical effects that are a result of it are just ridiculously cool. Yeah, and I, and I love it. I love it's the fact so that much. that Dracula, because he's trying to get away, or what he he's he's staying in his in his home dirt, you know, in, yeah. in Carfax he, Abbey. Yeah, he's re yeah he's re. But he feels the death of Lucy when it happens, and I just I love that too. Yeah, it's, it's real because he's connected to her because of their their vampire link or whatever. But that's when they that's when our characters finally figure out that you know Jonathan Harker says you know hey. I know exactly where Dracula is. I know where he stays. He's at right. Carfax Abbey. I help set this deal up. <laughs> Let's go get and, this motherfucker. Yeah, and, then, and this this is why this is where I think that plot point kind of just is very conveniently put in there that he absolutely happens to buy a property in London where he can have like those boxes of dirt because it's explained by Van Helsing that Dracula has to reside in the dirt of his homeland to maintain. That's a vampire power. thing. Yeah, is like that. That's an old vampire lore thing. Is that they need they can't rest without soil from their homes. Yeah. So we get that, and that's when they decide to converge on Carfax Abbey, mm-hmm. you know, all our heroes, and they just start destroying and, and, like, basically performing an exorcism on all the dirt so Dracula can't make use of any of that stuff anymore, and he's got to go home. Um, yeah, this- so, so they then flee all the way back from London, back to Transylvania. And is it, it is Mina with Dracula at this time, right, as he's no. going? No, she no. she has been th- at this point. This is where the character you know becomes more tragic and stuff like that because uh-huh. he once again gets to Mina before he has to leave. He's trying to seduce her and basically <gasps> she's right. saying she's saying no, make me what you are. Right, and because he, she fully remembers what. Yeah. What's okay at this point and and where now he's reflecting on it. He's like, I can't do that to you. I can't condemn you to what I am because it's it's a death sentence. It's a life of torment that yeah. he would be condemning her to, but they'd be like, well, at least we'll be together. Yeah. You know, but ultimately he capitulates and he lets her feast upon his blood, which the Van Helsing spells out in this movie is like, yeah, if you, if you taste upon their blood, you will be infected. That's what happened to Lucy. She tasted upon her as well. Right. So she, she became like your, your blood would die and eventually you'll become a vampire. Right. But it, yeah. And, uh, and he had to drink of her too. So like she had drank his blood and as he was getting ready to feed on her, that's when Keanu and the gang spring in to rescue her. 
and, he, and another great makeup effect too. He, they, he's oh, in that bat, so that bat cool. form, and then yeah. all of a sudden, when he tries to get away, he just basically turns into a a coat full of you know rats, rats. and just scurries away. I just love it. Yeah, I love it. But this this sets up probably like my other favorite part of this movie right here because and is this the is chase where I, scene. Yeah, this is where I'm going to give one of the best <laughs> shout outs to this movie. One thing I truly love about this movie it's very Indiana Jones flying through the continent kind well, of yes. feel. But it's the score. The score of this movie is just phenomenal. I love this. I I have it. I downloaded it onto my playlist. No shit. Like like just this part of it, like this. Yeah. Like it's just intense. Like this move. I mean, this score is so popular that it's been reused for many other movie trailers. No shit. Oh yeah. If you. Now that you've kind of gone back and watched this, if you yeah. go back and watch any some other, I'll try to find. Maybe I'll just have to do this as a side project. Just find some other movies where they use it. But it's so good that people love it. They'll use it in other horror films. Oh, that's it's awesome! Just, it's a great score, and it just gets you going because yeah, it's just a chase now. Like Dracula has to go by sea to get back to Transylvania, where <laughs> our heroes they get to go over land, so they're going to use trains and all that kind of stuff to get there. And it just culminates at Dracula. Now, why did castle. why couldn't Dracula go by? Why did he have to go by boat? Why couldn't he go by land? I also. I think because well, that's a good question. I don't know because the, the, la- the land was was the only way they caught up to him, right? Because they, yes. they they shortcut it across. the They had the advantage of getting right. uh, getting to it. I I guess maybe it's like. I don't know because he because uh, Dracula can control the winds. Maybe he felt like he could push ah, himself faster. Okay, uh, along there, but I don't know. Maybe it's explained. I'd have to go back and look why. I, oh, yeah, I, I kind of feel remember. like they did explain why he had to do that. Yeah, but I'm just it's not coming to me right now. <laughs> I can't recall it either. But it's it's great. Like I just love the the chase of it. Like it's like oh we we got to the port of. Uh, I don't even know some place in Hungary or something. I don't know where they're at, but they're like, oh, we just missed him. He he escaped by us in the night. So right, like, yeah. Let's get on. Uh, let's get on horseback and try to cut him off. It's just, just absolutely love it. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, that's what it is. Is that uh, because of his link to Mina, he's able to read her mind. So he took a he took an yes. alternate route home. Like that's how they ended up on different paths. Yeah, and he understands his... what their plan is, and that's right. why they have to split up because they're yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, he's reading her mind. So let's split up. Right. Van Helsing, you take Mina on the train, get to the castle. We're gonna cut him off at the pass, and he's not gonna know we're coming. Right. <laughs> they try yeah. to flank him. Yes. <laughs> but it doesn't work out because he still makes it into his fucking castle. He does, but it's a, but that's where the final battle takes place. Like right. he's he couldn't quite get there quick enough. Like he had to get like into the ground I think before the sun set. Mm-hmm. I think, but I I can't remember for sure. Well, the, but, no, like the, this first part of the castle like this is where uh basically Van Helsing stands against Dracula's brides, like his, yeah, his three vampire yeah. brides. Yeah. To save Mina against them. And so he, he kills all three of these uh, vampires, right? No. Um, they, he just like creates a magical circle around them. The, the so, ring so of fire, right? Yeah. yeah. Where, no, like, they, I thought they, he killed him. Didn't he? No, he does. That's right. Because they end up killing his horse. And, that was it. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I'm going to wait till daylight. He goes right. into the castle and yeah, and then chops all three of their heads off. Puts a stake through hearts and then he throws them off the, uh, off the castle. He does that. He does that great yell, Dracula. Yeah, know? I think I was just thinking like very Rathacon kind of moment. Dracula, like yeah. it's like holy shit, dude. He's yeah. full on Sylvester Stallone, Rocky, top of the steps, just throwing it up. Yeah. 
Oh, nuts. man. Nuts. It was, uh, yeah. It's, so then as we're coming, like, that's in the in the following morning. So then as we come up, uh, like, as morning follows, like, or, as morning happens, like, Anthony Hopkins, like, Van Helsing emerges from killing the three brides. That's when Dracula's carriage arrives at the same time, right, with Keanu and the gang in tow on horses. Yep. And yep. this is when the, the, the final battle breaks out in between our, our pursuers and, and Dracula's underlings, basically, right? Yeah, this is where I get the very much the Indiana Jones thing, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, like that right. classic chase scene, which is, I think is one yeah, because the sun's going down. So like it, it, uh, Dracula's goons, they're they're fighting like hell to get back to the castle because as, as soon as he's on, you know, as soon as it's nighttime, basically, like you know, he can come out and kick some ass. The hunters are trying to get to him while it's still they still got daylight and they can cap him easier, and it's this whole big ticking clock thing. Uh, but then as it happens. Uh, the sun goes down enough where Dracula then just like he's able to come join the fight, right? Yeah, he basically just pops himself out, but he's right. still weak. Like he doesn't, he hasn't like fully recharged his batteries or whatever. Right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, why he's still weak from the journey and all that stuff. Yeah, that's why the other characters that who get through the gate are able to basically subdue him and stab him through the heart. Right. Well, uh, actually, Harker stabs him in the neck or something like that first, right? Yeah, they they slice his neck. Uh, the yeah. one guy does, and I think they get a. Yeah, I think that's all they do. Yeah, they they they, stat, they slash his neck. That's right, and they escape into the castle. They don't even escape. Like Mina just they, straight up grabs Dracula, and she's like, "We're fucking going." And they're yeah, like, "Okay, you can go." Yeah, they're they. We kind of glossed over this that you know that yeah, she's she's tasted the blood, so she's actually changing. So yeah. that's where you know for some reason Jonathan Harker just says, "Wait, like let him go." Like this is she right. has to finish this thing. So. So strange. So they so go then she, yeah. like in, in the very church where he renounced God. Basically, like this is where Dracula is, is dragged to by Mina, and this is where he dies. Yeah, she essentially gives her gives him the last rites. It's very very right. Catholic here. You right. Know, he's, he's she gives him that, and you know, and then she's she going stabs to him actually stab him right? through the heart to give him peace, which he asks her to do. He's like he's like give me peace. Right. You know. But then and she cuts his head off too, right? She does. Yes. Yeah. And at that point, uh, she's magically healed, I guess, because... Oh, yeah, that's right, because the spell is broken because he's yeah. no longer... Yeah, yeah. the sun, like, the, the, the cross heals itself, and, like, right. the sun yeah, shines yeah. upon him. It's 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 kind of crazy at the end. I don't know how I feel about the ending as much. Right. But, but yeah, I, like, it's it does have... It, it sticks with its main theme of, of Dracula being this tragic figure, and he's, he's at a point now where he's like, I'm beaten... I don't want to see you, my lovely Mina, to become a victim of what I am. Right. Give me peace. Kill right. me. Just yeah. let's end this whole thing. You know, I've I've got to see you one more time in life. I can die peacefully now. And I, I can appreciate that part of it. But it's it's kind of done clumsily in the end. Yeah, they, they really kind of... They, they fucking rush right to it. And it... Which feels weird that they rush the ending, considering this movie was fucking was over two hours long, which for 1992 wasn't status quo. Like it was a long movie <laughs> and oh, yeah. it feels, it feels longer than two hours today rewatching it. Cause man, they, some scenes of this, they, they could have tightened it up a tad. I think it was a bit they, overblown. They could have, but it's a Coppola movie. I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be very artistic in its nature. Yeah. Um, he doesn't do short movies. No, he does. So not. I, I, I kind of know what I, I mean, revisiting it now, I, I understand what to expect with it. Right. Where, yeah, back then when I first saw it in theaters, yeah, I probably would agree with your opinion on that and say, yeah, this was a really long movie. But I, I still remember as a kid, though, like, or as a teenager, 
still still going along with the ride, enjoying oh, what yeah. this was. Yeah, it, it, there's not enough about this movie to where you completely hate it. You're like, I'd never see this again. It's th- There's a lot of really, really good things about it. But for me, man, it's just when... <laughs> if I'm watching anything, it, it, an accent is the one thing that could snap you out of watching something quicker than anything. Like, you know what I mean? It, it's like hearing, you know, you hear British people... Uh, you know, sometimes playing American, you hear off syllable, you know, it's just something, it just, it snaps you right out of it. And it's just like, just let them do their natural accents. Like, you know what I mean? You're, yeah. you're already doing a movie about vampires. Just let them speak how they fucking do. Like, you know what I mean? Like there had or to have cast been someone, somebody that can do it or cast someone that can do a fucking English accent. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it takes me right out of it. It really does. <laughs> Where I, I just like I, that's fair. I, I, I mean, just I start smiling like, and I'm just like, I'm enjoying it, but because it's bad, not because it's a good movie with, you know, a couple of questionable accent choices. Like, you know, I'm enjoying it for the wrong reasons, I guess. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I think as long as you can get some joy out of it. I mean, for me, <laughs> that's all this, that matters. This was an interesting ride for me. So I remember seeing this in the theaters when I was a teenager and walking mm. away from it and saying, oh, this was really entertaining. Right. And then I probably saw it again later and probably in the early 2000s. <laughs> you know, I had, yeah. I had already done, you know, some studying in film and stuff like that and started learning this. And I remember watching this and thinking, oh my God, this is just hammy. You know, Gary Oldman is just over the top and I just can't, I can't go with this, you know. <laughs> but I wasn't, I didn't have a full appreciation. And then going back to it this time, I've have a, I've had kind of a, a, a rebirth of this thing. Like I've I decided I was like uh, let me get rid of all the criticism this movie gets. Like all the right. shit that I've been around. You know, people have talked shit about this movie, and I said let me just wipe that from my mind. Mm-hmm. Let me just go in with a fresh set of eyes and just start watching this. And I was pleasantly surprised. Like I. From the start, I was just like, okay, yep, I'm feeling it. I, I like what they're doing here. But yeah, once I got in this movie and the art design and the music and just the characters that were in this, I, I, I found a brand new appreciation for this film. Right. I was so happy to revisit this. And I was so happy at the end of this movie, even for the clunky ending. I really appreciate it. And it, for, for all the other stuff that was going on, all that good stuff I was noticing, I forgot about how bad Keanu Reeves is in this movie. I forgot how, you know, average Winona Ryder is compared to some of her other roles that she was in. I just took in what I loved about this movie and I said, man, I'm really going with this. So I was I was so pleasantly surprised to go back to this. This is a movie I will go back and watch again uh, just because I do, I did enjoy what I saw. So yeah, I, I, would, I would recommend anybody to go watch it too. If, if you haven't seen it, and you and you do love the character, especially if you're like somebody who's watched like old the old Hammer horror film, you know Dracula, oh, or, yeah. or you know Universal's old, you know Bela Lugosi Dracula. It's good to kind of watch those, or even if God, if you're a real film star, you watch like Nosferatu, Nosferatu the German Expressionist yeah. film. I don't recommend that to anybody because it's hard to watch. It's just German Expressionism was very hard to get through. Um, but what, what was the movie they did that told the story of that one with Willem Dafoe? You could watch that instead. Willem Def- which one was that? I, d- I don't know. He played, uh, they did a movie about the making of Nosferatu where he played the guy who played Nosferatu. And like oh, the, I haven't, and I the haven't hook, seen The hook that. in the movie was is that they were questioning whether he was a real vampire or not. It was it was him and John Malkovich and uh, somebody else. Oh, I I would be Have very really curious to watch that? it. No, I haven't seen that. Really? Interesting. Wow. I'm surprised I haven't heard of that because that's, I do really like Willem Dafoe. It's called Shadow of the Vampire. Came out in the year two thousand. Oh, okay. I will oh, look, definitely have John Malkovich, Willem Dafoe, Carrie Elwes again, Eddie Izzard. So he, so he's basically playing like he plays Max Shrek then, right? The the character 
who played, you said, who played Nosferatu? Yeah, he does. Okay. That's Willem Dafoe. Oh, interesting. Yep. I'm, I will definitely check that out then. It was a, It's an entertaining movie. Yeah. Like, for, as far as I can recall, it was pretty entertaining. Well, this movie, like, if, as far as vampire movies go, this is probably one of my four favorite ones to watch. Like, I do have a soft spot in my heart for those old, you know, Christopher Lee hammer horror ones, you know, that are just ridiculous. What's but, your favorite vampire movie of all time? Ooh. Ooh. Ah. Uh, Do I do I give this one that that crown? I might give this one that crown. Really? Just just because it's uh, everything that I've talked about. I think it does. I I do really enjoy, even though like it's it's harder to watch because it's it's classic. But I do like you know the original Dracula source material. The you, you know the universal the Bell, the one. Yeah, yeah. I think that one's classic just the for that sense. But I, it's night. definitely not better. Yeah, yeah. I I might give this one as my favorite. Wow, that's a strong choice. Yeah. Well, it's between that and Twilight, right? <laughs> Wow, yeah, I don't no, I'm know. <laughs> I've never actually seen those movies, so Neither I can't I. fully talk shit about them. Like, I've, I've seen never bits and pieces them, so of know. it while yeah. other people are watching it. Right. And I've, I've just not been able to watch a full episode yep. of it. Yep, it's like, no, I'm good. I don't need to see that. I'm fine. Yeah, it feels like one of those ones you kind of got to watch just because you want to be a part of the cultural, you know, the, 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 the conversations of it and all that kind of stuff. But I, nope. just, I can't do it. It's too hard to do. No, I'll watch The Room. I'm not going to watch the Twilight movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, the room is a classic in its own sense. <laughs> I still haven't sat down to do that one yet, but well, know. prepare yourself, man. I yeah. still recommend that you watch that on a midnight showing, you know, with a bunch of people. Right? You'll yeah, enjoy it so much more. Yeah, if the opportunity ever presents itself, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely yeah. look into that. And then after I think you watch me, that, yeah, what, no, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I, was, I was gonna say, I think for me, for vampire movies, as far as it goes, like hands down, Fright Night is by far my favorite. Vampire I forget, movie. It. I always forget about Fright Night, so. I will lump that in there as a good film, but I I do not have the love of Fright Night that you do, though. Oh, like, I, you, yeah. You absolutely love it. It's a, it's a gem of yours. Um, Arguably, it's my favorite movie, uh, like, ever. Wow. It's in the conversation. Wow. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> I know. I, I I have it in so many different formats, just, like, within feet of me right here. Yeah, just, yeah there's, like, I got armies of, like, spans of Star Wars or... You know, Lord of the Rings. You have like yep. all those versions, the toys, everything. You're a Friday Night guy. Like you have like all that kind of stuff. It's yeah. crazy. I met I met Nick Castle, the guy who played the very first Michael Myers. I talked to him about the Last Starfighter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I adore that movie so much. That's a classic one in its own sense too. I I will give that because I grew up with that movie. I gotta tell you, he looked happier shit to talk about that movie. I tell you, I'll that. bet. <laughs> what a great one! Oh, yeah, would have been fantastic. I'm going to go back and watch that one again. Yeah, but I think uh, maybe Lost Boys 2 could be like I in the conversation. Like, it's too. definitely top five like best vampire movies. Interview the Vampire was uh, – oh. that's, that's a strong choice too, that These one. are all movies like I'm not even thinking about, but you're naming up some very, very good ones that are, are excellent. I think like shark movies, there's been way more bad ones than good ones though. True. I mean that that's the thing about this is that especially this – Bram Stoker's version of it has been <laughs> just like I said, the start of the show has just been remade so many times and nobody yeah. just is totally loyal to the source material. No, but they, they put their own spin on it and I can appreciate <laughs> that. But yeah, it's, 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 it just shows up all the time. Even monster squad, like the, the classic oh, shows dude. up in that. Yes. One, so it's, it, it's everywhere. Arguably so. the scariest vampire on, on film to date was that guy. I, I agree with you. He probably does play one of the scariest versions. So intimidating. Jesus yes. Christ. 
Uh, oh my god. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely way too harsh, that guy. Oh, Jesus. Well, yeah, coming up, we uh, we got a bunch of holiday movies to watch here because tis the season. Oh, um, man. Yes. As far as Christmas movies go, yeah, I think we could definitely start off with Running Scared this year. I think uh, coming up, though, we should... Uh, We'll cover one that's not really a Christmas movie, but it does fall into the season. We could do uh, we'll do Plain Strange and Automobiles coming up on the next show. Yes, so excited for that film. Yeah. Uh, it's it's one since we're coming up on the Thanksgiving holiday. It's one that I go back to. I am so excited to talk about that. It's good. Absolutely can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, I'm really excited. I think that'll be a really good one. It uh, as far as ro- like it, it it fits in, in many categories too like it's it's probably the best thanksgiving movie of all time like arguably i can't really name uh, like any other ones but as far as road travel movies go too it's in the conversation for best one of those as well oh 100% yeah 100%. i yeah i i don't want to like spoil like the don't review of it we're going to do on the next like show it, yeah. but yeah yeah tip my hand here but anything but yeah i absolutely love that movie i mean uh, yeah. i like i said i when we when we decided to finally get a chance to talk about that i was like yes let's do that yeah, because um, there, there's a lot to talk about in that movie, um, a lot of behind the scenes stuff that went on, a lot of fun stuff. It, our next show, don't miss it. it it's going to be good. If you like that movie or you've never seen it, watch it and come come hear our review of it. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Yeah, it's absolutely terrific. All right, man, let's get out of here. We got all the shit to watch. Everybody, you can check in with us at our website, adamsnerds.com. Also, hit us up at the contact page. You can find us on Twitter as well, as long as that's still a thing. But uh, half of Brian and Mary, we'll talk to you guys later. Peace. One does not simply walk into Mordor, dig it. <laughs>